This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and I'm joined as usual by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow for hockey fans at AJ Scholes24. Well, AJ, I just got back from the sunny environs of center, central Florida out near Tampa, where I have to say the lightning have cultivated a very solid level of local support. There's signage everywhere, particularly in the malls, uh, the big malls down there. This team uh, gets more... Uh, visual coverage, I'll say, than any of the other teams, including the football club down there, which surprised me a little bit. And after visiting the area, I totally get why one Steven Stamkos re-signed there. It's beautiful, sun and fun, uh, right by the waterfront. You're, uh, I stayed at Indian Shores, which is about half an hour away from Tampa area, and uh, there's so much to see and do, and just a beautiful place. The sun always rises and shines, and uh, those beaches are pretty inviting. Yeah, it's a it's a blast down there. Uh, my my parents have a place down in uh, down in Sarasota, so I get down there once in a while. Um, actually, went down for one of the Eastern Conference Finals games uh, last year with my Pens playing in Tampa. Unfortunately, it was one of the ones that they lost. Oh, uh, but that is a great arena. The the fans down there are just uh, you know just rabid about their team, and and they're super nice too. I didn't have any uh, anybody. Nobody was mean. Nobody was. Uh, uh, anything out, out out of line just uh, some fun razzing here here and there but just some great fans down there in tampa yeah it's good to see because you know you might want to group them with some of the hockey backwaters like uh, carolina and nashville and say you know how much is the following in each of those places or even phoenix and possibly vegas but but tampa's got a really solid following that i saw and uh, you you certainly seconded it in uh, in the fine way that you described with your experience uh you know, last week, I want to clear something up off the top because I listened to the show and I want to thank Mike G for stepping in to my spot. I think he did, he did a great job, but I, don't, I didn't want to offend him. It seemed like I, I kind of stung him with my assessment of one Thomas Vanek uh, li- in listening <laughs> to your show. So before I, I, I want to make sure Mike and I are good. So I want to take a minute to explain what I, what I thought about when I gave my assessment the prior week, if I might, AJ. I, I don't give this guy too much rope because he's an extremely skilled uh, player yet that I find that this guy floats around the ice like like very few others in the league and and it burns me to no end to see uh, that that such a skilled player 
looks like he's l giving less than 100% effort, and he's not the only one that fits that profile. But that's why I said what I said about uh, Vanek. He's a great player, but it bothers me no end when these skill guys, they just float around and do, they do nothing else. Maybe it's just, he's not a five-tool player, if I can use a baseball parlance, I'll say that. Maybe <laughs> he's a one- or two-tool guy, great tools, but not enough of them for my liking. Yeah, I'm sure you loved having Phil Kessel in Toronto then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I put those him. guys in the same boat, though. I mean, I think they both uh, hopefully have found a new home and can get back on the right track. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as, as always, uh, before we get to the program, do want to remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at both, both of us, and we'll try and answer your questions either during the week or during our next podcast, as, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24, AJ S C H O L Z 24. And you can always follow Paul, the stats man at Statsman 22. Thank you very much for that reminder. And we do get some good traffic during the week. Interesting conversations. In fact, we were on, on opposite sides of one question that came up this week. And we had some fun with that on, on the Twitter feeds. So we invite people to join that and get in on the action. But let's take a swing around the league, AJ, and uh, talk about what's going on in the last couple of weeks in the NHL. And uh, we'll begin in Anaheim. And uh, uh, for me... I'm I'm uh, surprised that one Cam Fowler, this guy, he was the subject of a lot of trade rumors in the offseason, wasn't he? And now look at what he's done in the first 22 games. He leads the defensive scoring by miles over here and making up for the fact that one Hampus Lindholm has not hit the ice running, if you will, since he got back and signed the long-term deal. We've got to tip our hat to what Fowler's done so far this year, I think, with six goals and seven assists. Yeah, I think it's one of the reasons I was hesitant, uh, you know, for them to trade him. I, you know, Lindholm has been a little bit slow to get up to speed and yeah, Fowler's been doing well. I will point out he does have just two points in the last five games, um, but on the season, he's having a great year and should hopefully be able to uh, continue that. And, you know, once his team, if, if Hampus Lindholm gets back on track, they could certainly do some, some things. Yeah, one team that's not doing some things, and you got this right, I got it wrong in our preseason picks, I'll give you a tip of the hat there, is with Arizona, uh, it seems one goalie is down uh, every time we talk about this team, it looks like right now Louis Domingue is, is the guy that's on the sideline, leaving the task to Mike Smith, who certainly can handle a workload, but uh, he's getting shelled, uh, and not, not really playing up to the level that we've used to seeing, but I want to talk about Dylan Strom, and what what has happened here uh he's been sent back to junior aj i think it's a good move i think you know sometimes in junior hockey we don't see all the tools that these guys need to survive or excel uh, at the nhl level this guy is a big body player who who uh, used his hockey smarts i'll say to get uh big point totals but at the nhl level it seems to me the speed game has caught up with him and and that's where he's had some troubles yeah i i've been high on on the move to send strong back all season long but of course uh, when you go into it expecting the team not to do anything, it's easy to tell them to send the uh, send the youngster back. I also like the fact it'll give uh, Christian Dvorak a chance to kind of thrive without having to deal with, is he in, is Strom in, which you kind of saw at the start of the season. So I think it's good for Dvorak. I think it's good for Strom. And things are looking up long term for Arizona, just not this year. Yeah, I agree. And I think not to be down on Strom and the skating ability, that could be that's something that can be adjusted. I mean, most teams employ a skating coach, if you will. I know in Toronto, it's, it's worked wonders with a couple of guys. I know in, on the island, New York Islanders, John Tavares, maybe the pick, uh, signature issue here in terms of what can be done with a good skating coach. He was a plodding kind of skater in, in the same manner as Strom when he broke in, but he he has changed his stride a little bit. I know a little bit about the story, a backstory, because he's a local kid here, and and uh, he's really enhanced that part of his game. And now he's one of the more uh, hard skating players, and and even harder to knock off the puck. So there's room to grow, even when you get to the NHL level, and and really fine tune some uh, some of the skills that make you a more complete player. Uh, believe me, I don't think we've seen the last of Dylan Strom. I think he's going to be back and better than ever when he gets back up with a big club. Uh, over in Boston, you know, Zdeno Chara is 39, and, and when I've seen him play, I've seen that uh, he's getting a little long in the tooth, maybe losing half a step here. He's got six points. Certainly the plus 12 rating looked good, still logging a lot of minutes, but he's a little bit dinged up now uh, and on the sidelines, AJ, and that kind of exposes the rest of this blue line. I'm a little bit concerned about what I see from the rest of the group there. Uh, do you share that same outlook? 
I do. I, I have some serious, you know, serious concerns about the rest of the group. The one guy I'm not uh, too worried about is is Brandon Carlo. Uh, he's kind of paired up well with Char on on that first line for for most of the year. Um, so I think he'll be able to maintain kind of his level. But I think you look down at at that third pairing, Joe Morrow and Colin Miller. I, I don't trust either of those guys on the ice for too long. Um, so it's going to be a lot of pressure on the top four, I think. You know, hopefully they'll get Chara back. He's he's doubtful tonight, and he's already missed three. Um, they definitely need to get him back as soon as possible uh, to keep this blue line from just collapsing. Yeah, I echo your sentiments on Carlo. This guy, uh, I didn't know too much about him, but when I read that he was six foot six and he's got some good mobility, I thought, well, maybe he's the next guy that's going to step in for for Chara and do what Chara did for them. He's one of a number of new de- uh, defensemen that are coming into the league that are bigger. I mean, really bigger than the average player. We're seeing that around the league, and we'll talk about another guy in a couple of teams, too, that, uh, that's in the rumor mill in that regard as well. But uh, it's interesting to see that there's room for the, the hulking defenseman who can skate. Uh, these guys aren't one-dimensional players like uh, we highlighted earlier. They have more to their game, and he's another one that's, that's come along and shown, shown well. Uh, Buffalo Sabres have to be very excited, AJ. It looks like they're going to get Jack Eichel back in the lineup. He's missed, he's missed all the action so far. Do you give him about five or six games before he gets going, or do you expect him to hit the ice running? No, I think he'll hit the ice running. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see actually a multi-point game tonight. Um, I, I think he's just got so much talent. I think he's going to be hungry. It sounds like they definitely eased him back in, uh, so they're not rushing him. He's had time to to get his legs back under him. Certainly, you know, practice skate versus game skate is going to be a little bit different pace, but um, I would not be shocked to see a multi-point game from him tonight. Well, and uh, neither will I. I'll say that. I think this guy's a dynamic talent. He's right up there with uh, the young stars of the game, like uh, maybe a notch below McDavid, but you can you can pair him up with Austin Matthews and, and the likes there. So there there's room to, for him to be one of the top young players in the game. Uh, we all expect that. And, and I think you're right to say that he's such a special talent that he doesn't need the four or five games to get going. And then did... They did take their time with him, so I expect the same thing. Over in Calgary, I teased this uh, earlier on with reference to a big player. The name of, uh, of a big defenseman over there is in the news, too, and it's in trade talks. Dougie Hamilton has been rumored to be uh, on the block, and I don't quite understand this because he's a, a rare talent if you, if you look at the mix between the size and the offensive skill, but they're a little bit down on him, I, I hear, and a team that's front and center in terms of the discussions is the Maple Leafs. Uh, there are strong rumors circulating locally that uh, this Toronto-born defenseman could be coming home in a deal. Yeah, I, I think the one limiting factor here is going to be that that cap hit. It's about five point seven five million. So I think that's going to limit uh, which teams can can get him. Certainly, uh, you know, only those that aren't right up against the cap. So it rules out teams like Washington's up against the cap, Pittsburgh a handful of others, but, uh, you know, Toronto definitely has some room. It would be a great addition. I, I do think the one, uh, concern I've had all season long about your Leafs has been a little more on the defensive side rather than, um, offensively. So I think it'd be a great acquisition for him. The question is what Calgary is going to want in return. Um, and I don't know if, you know, Toronto would be willing to pay that up. Yeah. Well, uh, to your point about the salary, it wouldn't be an issue in Toronto because they have about 13 or 14 million that's tied up in long-term injury replacement value and that's going to be coming off the books very soon to afford Leafs that uh, ability to take on the uh, six million dollar cap hit that that is assignable to uh, Hamilton's situation and in terms of the cost well uh, there the Leafs former GM is a very senior executive that uh, with Calgary he knows that's that's Brian Burke and, and he knows all about the depth of this organization. In fact, he was responsible for bringing a lot of these players in. And so the names that are being talked about include uh, Tyler Bozak uh, from the big club. Maybe Josh Levo is a top guy in their junior ranks who, uh, I mean, in the AHL ranks, I should say, uh, who has uh, been scouted heavily, I understand, by by Flames Brass. So that's two pieces that are involved. I'm sure the Leafs will have to add to that mix and uh, take on that salary away from Calgary, giving the Flames flexibility. I mean, it's a, it's a trade of possibly strengths against strengths. You uh, highlight the Leafs off, have offense to give up. 
and even William Nylander's name is is in this discussion too. And I'd he- hesitate to see him go, but he's right. Yeah, he's, I wouldn't do that one, Paul. I'm right no, there with you. That no. that seems like a bad player to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just in a bit of the doghouse right now in Toronto. Uh, he's going to be playing fourth line minutes tonight. He was uh, he was in the press box uh, the last game, so he's right in. Uh, Mike Babcock's doghouse, but uh, believe me, I'd, I know the Leafs value this guy as highly as you would suggest, so I'd hate to see him leaving the deal. If they can finally work something out, you know, I'd hate to see Bozak go. He's a veteran in terms of experience on this club, but maybe deemed expes- expendable because of the way Nazem Kadri's really stepped up his game, and, and uh, I until that... Uh, exposure on Kadri this year I would have put him and Bozak in the same category they're both pretty good face-off guys and kind of second third line centers but you don't need two of the same player and maybe that's why Bozak's name could be expendable they need help up front Uh, he'd be a great second line center in Calgary I think Uh, so the fit it seems to be there I I would expect where there's smoke here there's probably fire and uh, wouldn't shock me to see this thing go down uh, the way we're describing it uh, we move on. We take a look at the Calgary situation. Jordan Stahl is pointless now in seven games, and he's dealing with concussion issues. So is Eddie Lack in goal. Uh, I feel bad for Eddie Lack here, i got to say, because he was brought in. It looked like he was going to be the heir apparent to Cam Ward. Cam Ward's not ready to let go of that job, though, and now the head injuries to these guys really... Uh, they expose Carolina for a very, very limited lack of uh, depth, I think, and that should be a real concern. Yeah, I, I think Lack should hopefully be back relatively soon. He He's served out at least the seven days on the IR, so they can activate him at any point as soon as he's healthy. Um, but the thing is, as you point out, they don't need him. Uh, Cam Ward has been phenomenal. You know, they'll, they'll you know, maybe throw a game or two to their current backup. Um, but, you know, Michael Lighton isn't going to do a whole lot for, for them. So they're going to rely on Ward. And I think that gives them the, the ability to ease Lack back in. And, you know, you mentioned Stahl. I think injuries have kind of been a concern throughout his career. I remember him being periodically dinged up when he was with Pittsburgh. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm i not surprised to see these uh, see Stahl injured. Um, it's just unfortunate for him. Hopefully, you know, he can recover quickly. They did put him on IR, so he's out at least a week. Um, but hopefully he'll get back and, and be ready to go after that. And uh, the Hawks are similarly without their number one center. Jonathan Taves is out with an undisclosed injury. His offensive production is down as well this season. He uh, he left the lineup with only 12 points in 21 games. But this guy is a, a warrior. I don't worry about the offensive side of the game. He brings so much more to the table. It's just that when he's out of lineup, you really look at the rest of the Hawks roster at center particularly. And other than Artem Anisimov, there's not much there. So they need this guy back. And, and the depth of the Hawks... Uh, it's been eroded in the last couple of years with all the playoff success and all the rest of it. They've been hard up against the cap. They paid their top guys, and now they're having to squeeze the, what they can out of some, some lesser lights who are exposed while Taves has been out of the lineup. Yeah, Taves actually has uh, got an eight-game goalless streak going on, and, and I agree. I'm not concerned long-term, um, but I, I do think, and, and one pet peeve of mine that, that we see a lot is I think his lack of scoring is due to the line shuffling they've had going on there. Um, I think you need consistency to get guys gelling together and scoring. And, you know, so I put a little bit of this on, on Joel Quinville. Um, you know, the, the lack, yeah, you're trying to find the right fit, but you need to give guys time and you can't just keep shuffling around uh, them around. But of course, with Taves injured, you're going to have even more of that. And it's just going to keep continuing, which I think is unfortunate for Hawks fans. You know what? I, I'm so glad that you bring up the point about the line shuffling, because I feel like a hockey dinosaur. OK, I've been observing this for years probably longer than you've been alive okay i've been a fan of this this game for so long and and what i see is what you just said Uh, when i was you know in my 20s and 30s i could name you the three forward lines on every team day in day out they wouldn't change jj it seemed like the only way that would happen is if there was an injury but now i mean uh, you and i are responsible for the daily nhl roster sweeps on on the website at rotowire and we encourage people to stay on top of that because it's ever-changing and it really is. I mean, I started to do it again today. There's 12 games on the slate, and I can't tell you how many uh, little lineup change shuffling things are going on 
in the few games that I already did before we hit the air here. And, and I just don't get it. I, I, like you, would like to see continuity in that regard. So an interesting point that you make and an opportunity for us to talk about the fact that fans should stay on top of the line combinations by going to our website and checking out the lineups that, that we uh, work on every day to keep up to date. It's very important for your daily pools. See who's playing on the power play and who's playing with the star players. Very important. Yeah, absolutely. And it can't be can't be overstated the the shuffling, you know, when a guy gets dropped to the third line, you have to know it both for for, you know, season long and and for daily contests. I mean, his minutes are just going to go down even if a team rotates through all three lines, you're still going to end up seeing that third line less and so it's it's important to know where your guys are lining up day in day out. So go and check Rotowire, uh, the website. We do a great job there, a group of us to keep it, keep it up to date and give you the best information to succeed. And uh, certainly in terms of our preseason previews, I got to tip my hat again to you. It looks like you're two, two to nothing so far in terms of my analysis of what's going on around uh, while I was away. But Callan Pickard has certainly made a name for himself in, in the early part of the season, outperforming Semyon Barlamov by a huge margin in goal. And you wonder when that's going to translate into more assignments coming Pickard's way on a long-term basis. Yeah, I, I, this was one of my, this was my rant last week while you were gone, Paul, the, the backup goal is not getting a shot and the, the team sticking too long with the starter. I think they need to switch to Picard. You know, I'm not saying sell Varlamov, you know, ship him out right away, but switch to Picard, let Varley get his head, you know, back on his shoulders and then maybe ease him back into it. You saw this a little bit in Detroit when Mrazek was kind of struggling. They, they turned it over to Howard for a few games. And I think they need to do that here. They are going to give Pickard the start tonight. Uh, Varlamov is healthy enough, but they're going to let him be the backup tonight. And I think it's a good move and definitely something they need to consider doing on a more consistent basis. Yeah, as I've said for years, the numbers don't lie. Look at Pickard, 2.03 goals against, save percentage over 93%, way better than Varlamov, who's sitting with uh, goals against over three and a save percentage right around 90%. Those are ordinary numbers. Uh, and he's pl- Varlamov still played twice as many games as Picard. So your point and your rant were well aimed last week, and I applaud you for that. That was a great, uh, great segment that you pulled together, and a, a significant one, I would say. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. This team is a team that I touted at the beginning of the season. So I'll get, I'll get on the board with a point for me, where I thought this team underperformed last year big time. But I hearken back to two years ago where I thought they were assembling a, a crew of players that I love the way their forwards line up. They're big, tough guys. They play a physical brand of hockey that I, that I prefer. I, I prefer that over the high-flying. I like the grinders, the, the, the power forward types uh, all day long, and the, the Jackets have a slew of them. Right now they're sitting with 11-5-2 record. And uh, there's a pretty good goalie behind all of that, too. So why don't you give me your snapshot on why I think this is the biggest surprise team. First of all, do you agree? And, and how are they doing it? I do agree. And, and I was definitely down on them. That could be uh, my slight distaste for, for their head coach. Uh, could have clouded my judgment there a little bit. But <laughs> You're not alone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, do, I do think this team is playing like their head coach, though. I mean, uh, is a very kind of gritty um, you know, gritty guy, you know, plays with his heart on his sleeve. Um, you know, I, I think this team is playing in much the same way. And the reason I think they're having success all is the the last man on the ice there uh, in, in that uh, Bob Roski has just been outstanding so far. And he's helping to stabilize his team so that the forwards can can play in a, an aggressive forecheck and aggressive style that way. And the, the defenders have stood up. I, I did not expect them. I do give you the tip to the tip of the cap on this one, Paul. Uh, I was down on this team, but the, the forwards and the defenders are doing just enough to keep Bob Roski in it and allowing him to win games for them. And boy, he's doing it with great numbers. A 215 goals against and a 93% save percentage, which are among the league leaders in both categories, proving to be a workhorse uh, starting 18 of their 20 games so far this season. And we move on in our sweep, uh, going to the Dallas situation. Their lineup's getting healthier, and that can only mean great things. But I'm still alarmed by the fact that their three big guns offensively, Ben Sagan and Spezza, all sport big minus numbers right now. When is that going to turn around, if at all? And uh, what do you expect from Dallas the rest of the way? Uh, I look for that to turn around in the coming weeks. I think now that they're together, they're getting their their guys healthy, their lines uh, set. 
you're going to start to see some goals here. Uh, you know, I think the biggest reason that they have the plus minus isn't because of their their lack of effort or their ability on the ice. I think it's the problem in net. I'm still down on both Lettinen and Niemi. I, I think if they get somebody else in, which I've been saying all season long, bring somebody else in, get solid goaltending back there, plus their scoring ability, you're going to see that those uh, minuses turn into pluses in, in the coming weeks, I think. Yeah, boy, that goalie situation really is a, is a problematic thing. They've spent a lot of money to get these 32-year-old guys in, and that's neither one's excelling at all. They're both sitting there with the goals against round three, and uh, not helping the situation is the high price tag on both of them. So really a situation that they need to address sooner rather than later, because there's a lot of big teams in the West that... Uh, we see it every year that uh, they leave Dallas behind when the, when the going gets tough. Detroit, you touched on the situation in their situ- in their nets. Uh, Mike G is going to be listening to this, and he's got to be wondering how Jimmy Howard will uh, when will he come back? It looks like he's out for the next couple of weeks. And are we going to get a look at a third goalie in this mix with Morazic struggling? I I want to keep my eye out for one Jared Corot. He's, he's brought up now, and I think he's going to ch- get a chance somewhere along the line. And if he, he performs well in the first uh, start or two that he gets, it could really uh, muddy the waters in the nets for the other two guys. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Koru. Uh, he 8-5-0 and this, uh, in the AHL this season with a, a .923 save percentage. So definitely performing well there. Uh, I, I think if he does do well, I think it, it'll be time to finally say goodbye to Jimmy Howard. I say finally, not because I think they should, only because that's been something they've been talking about for so long, that he's on his way out, that they're going to find somebody else. And I think if the youngster performs well, it'll finally give uh, GM Ken Holland the, the security to ship, uh, ship Jimmy Howard out. Well, and even if he doesn't get traded, he might get drafted out by the Las Vegas team. This is a prime candidate, I think, because he's got the big contract, and I think it's pretty clear that Peter Morazic's the guy they're going to protect of the two. So um, I wonder how uh, Jimmy Howard might like the bright lights of Vegas. That might be his in his future. Uh, in Edmonton, you know, I get I get chills when I say this, and I wonder how you're going to react. But Connor McDavid leads the league in t- with 29 points, and the next highest Oiler is Jordan Everly with 17. That's quite a margin between the top player and the second guy on any team, and it reminds me of a certain other player that wore the Edmonton colors years ago and uh, McDavid's earning early comparisons. I know this is premature in all likelihood, but you got to love what you're seeing from McDavid. He leads the league in scoring right now. Uh, Are we seeing the next one? I, oh man, that's such a tough call, Paul. I'm going to lean away from it uh, just a little bit only because it's hard to compare anybody to Wayne Gretzky. Uh, You know, we have guys struggle to get 100 points in a season anymore, and he got 200 in a year. So (laughs) I I really struggled to call anybody the next one. Even even my boy Sid got the comparisons too, and I I just don't think there's any comparison. Now, if you ask me if Connor McDavid's the next Sidney Crosby, that I definitely could agree with. I think he's got the potential there. Um, he's doing everything that they asked for him. And I agree. It is a little bit concerning that Edmonton is relying so heavily on one player all over again. Uh, hope, you know, Milan Lucic has been getting it going the last couple of weeks. He had a, a little bit of a, uh, several game, uh, drought there in the middle, but if he can get going, kind of close that gap a little, I do still have concerns about this team on defense. Uh, there's just nobody in my opinion that really stands out. Um, but Cam Talbot's on a roll. McDavid's doing his thing. This is a dangerous team. Yeah, and I think the guy that kind of fills the... I'll continue with the old Edmonton analogy. The guy that looks like he might fill in kind of the Messier shoes is one Leon Dreisaitl. This guy is another young forward who's been on fire of late, taking some of the scoring responsibilities as well. So they have quite a nice one-two punch at center. What I'd love to see here is the move to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the trade block see what they can do to shore up their defense. They don't need three offensive-minded centers. Nugent Hopkins is a one-way player like the other two guys, but the other two guys have a little more to their game. This is a move that I think they have to explore, and they better do it sooner rather than later. To address the defensive side of the puck, I think you've got to give up something to get something. That's a name that should be out there in the trade, trade talks, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I, I, love, I love Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think he's a great player. Um, but I do agree it's a it's a perfect time for them to try and get value out of him. And as you mentioned, Dreisaitl has been phenomenal for them. 
and easing the pressure. So yeah, it's it, that's a good call, Paul. I like it. What about what happened in Florida? Did you scratch your head like I did with the Ger- Gerard Gallant getting uh, getting fired the other day? Uh, there's a lot of us- other issues going on here. I thought I thought they were really building something special in Florida over the last few years. Giving credit to Dale Catalan for the way he's assembled this team, but. Uh, they weren't, weren't performing this, this year. I think they stuck with Jeremy Jagger in a first-line role a little bit too long and, and thought, you know, it's, that's a great story. He's a great player. But they need to bring some other people along to take those top six minutes away from him. And, and the injury to Jonathan Huberdeau hasn't helped. But uh, there, are, there are more concerns here. I certainly agree there are some things out of, uh, you know, Gallant's control. Um, so I, But I do understand the move. When you have that much talent... Sometimes the coach is the one that, you know, that gets uh, the axe and in, in hopes that the rest of the team gets kind of a wake up call. You know, saw this with uh, Mike, you know, close to home for me. Mike Johnson uh, got axed and Mike Sullivan came in, won the Stanley Cup. Dan Bilesmo won the Stanley Cup coming in halfway through for my for my pens. So I, I certainly understand the move. Uh, my biggest complaint about it is that they couldn't couldn't wait until the road trip was over and let him go at home. You know, I, I think the, the whole cab situation is just bad optics. I don't, I don't you know, necessarily disagree with the decision, um, but it does look bad when you make your head, your former head coach get a cab, you know, in his, his own way home. Just eat, you know, the road trip's going to end eventually. Just eat the few games, let him come home and fire him when he gets home in person rather than, you know, over the phone and, and sending him on his way in a cab yeah that was a really bad optic situation not something that you want to uh, define your club but certainly it has uh, in the, in the sh- near term uh, what about los angeles this is another team that that's had success in the salary cap era just like the hawks but they're they're tied up against the cap too and you see offensively they're really hamstrung when you get past jeff carter who continues to do what he does he's got 19 points in 22 games but beyond him they haven't got anybody with more than more than uh, seven goals and certainly more than 14 points so uh, it gets pretty thin pretty quickly and uh, should there be some concerns expressed not only because of their goalie situation where they're missing quick but offensively they're they're struggling a little bit i'm not too worried i i feel like this team is built similar to the devils um strong goaltending some you know shut down defenders they they don't have a ton of offensive you know talent coming from the blue line in my opinion but they've got some good solid uh defensive minded guys so when you you know when you play that kind of style you don't need a ton of points they're going to get marion gabrick back so that'll certainly help um i'm definitely not worried especially with you know we'll touch on this a little later um but with budai kind of stepping up once they get quick back, it's it's going to be a great situation, and, and I expect them to win some games. How about Minnesota? This is a team that is kind of a bland team when you look at them from a distance, but I like the addition of Eric Stahl. It seems to have, uh, this, the move to Minnesota seems to have agreed with him. He's tied for the scoring lead. Actually, he's got the scoring lead with 16 points and a plus 7 rating, so he seems to like life in, in the Gopher State, and and. Uh, Right behind him, Charlie Coyle is a guy who made a name for himself with a career year last year, but he's on a 30-goal pace right now and playing top six minutes. So that's two guys that that maybe some people didn't expect to contribute as much as they are, but if they can continue to do what they do and guys like Nino Niederreiter can pull up their socks and and, uh, play to their level, of uh, this might be a pretty dynamic offense when it's all said and done. Yeah, I definitely got this one wrong in in our uh, preseason shows. The Minnesota Wild have been a lot better than I ever expected. Uh, Dubnik, uh, I was definitely down on their goaltending situation. You know, he's still riding high of those that three uh, three shutouts in a row streak. <laughs> uh, got a, a 1.79 goals against average in the last five, a 3-1-1 one, one record over that span. Leads the league in shutouts. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned Coyle. He had uh, three goals over the American Thanksgiving holiday. I'll make sure to clarify that Thank for you. all of our <laughs> listeners up in Canada. Um, but yeah, over over our holiday down here in the South, uh, he had a, a real good weekend. So things are definitely looking up. This is a team that's got a ton of talent. And, you know, even defensively, um, those guys have, have done better than I expected as well. I'm completely surprised by this team. Yeah, one guy that I highlighted early in the season, I think this ties it up at 2-2 in terms of the kudos, is Ryan Suter. This guy has, uh, is a big-time minute eater, usually up near the top of the league in terms of the ice time that he's played. They actually cut back a little bit on him. He's still at 27 minutes a game. 
Uh, but he's got 14 points to go with all the good numbers, uh, plus 11. So uh, uh, kind of an unsung guy, typical of this unsung team, that kind of speaks to just how good they've been. And look at the stats on Dubnik, though. I have to mention this. It looks like soccer goalie numbers. With a 1.66 goals against and a not, almost a 95% save percentage, you won't see that uh, outside of the MSL to uh, MM, uh, Major League Soccer League in the States. There, You won't see it outside of that league too often. Uh, goals against this far under two and uh, kudos to Dubnik though he's done it for a while in Minnesota and uh, he's really thriving in in uh, their colors uh, we go on to the next next club not my favorite team but they're still doing it AJ and uh, Weber and Price seem to have uh, a line on some ridiculous seasons going on in Montreal but there are other guys that are falling in behind them can this club continue at this torrid pace almost running away with the Eastern Conference right now I've been expecting a drop uh, from, you know, from both guys just because of how high their their numbers have been. You know, uh, Weber's got 10 power play points, um, you know, and, and Price, we, we've highlighted him. He's been absolutely phenomenal. You know, at, at this point, we may as well just pack up the, the President's Trophy and ship it over to Montreal. Um, these guys are looking great. I, I think their forward lines are a little unheralded. There's there's not names that jump off the page at you, in, in my opinion, but they're getting the job done, and I, I'm impressed with this team. I, I know it pains you to see them doing well, um, but you know it's it is what it is. Unfortunately, they're they're performing at their best. Yeah, and we got to highlight a couple more names here. Alex Galchenyuk finally living up to the billing of being a high first round pick. He's got point per game pace going on and partnered exceptionally well with uh, Russian import Alexander Radilov, who signed a one year deal to get back in the NHL. And boy, he's going to hit the pay window big time if he just continues to do what he's doing uh, this this season so far. Uh, Shea Weber is making that trade with. Subban looking very one-sided at the moment a plus 18 along with 18 points to go with his record and I'm even the the most stunning performer so far in terms of the stats that I see on this club or uh, it's the next guy in their point parade that's Andre Markov AJ I thought this guy was on his last legs last year he looked like an absolute turnstile in the second half of the season people were blowing by him left and right but look what he's done so far this year he's sitting there with 17 points a plus five eating up 22 minutes a game still so he's still delivering the goods their top guys are performing and that's why they are where they are we'll move on to the next club then and we'll talk about a team in nashville on the other side of that equation suban continues to struggle a little bit with the defensive side of the game now they got a little trouble though offensively with james neal on the ir his 10 goals will be missed because he's far and away their best offensive weapon what next for the nashville uh, predators in your opinion that's certainly a good question I, I i definitely i like the young talent they have on this team uh you know kevin fiala pontus aberg I think they're definitely NHL talent guys, um, but they're certainly not ready to to step up and take those James Neal type numbers. Um, so I, I think it's going to hurt them uh, a lot. I would expect them to be down a little bit for a while. But at the end of the day, they do still have Peke running and goal. So you definitely can't rule them out. If they can kind of ride out this storm uh, until they get Neal back, then, then hopefully they can get back on track. Um, I definitely... You know, I've been impressed with Neil this season. My my biggest knock on him was always the the uh, penalties. He was constantly up there picking up penalties at the wrong time and and bad penalties too. I mean, not not the your stick, you're making the right play and accidentally trip a guy and you wish the refs could look the other way. I mean, dumb roughing penalties, stuff like that. Um, but he's kept it in check so far this year. Uh, so hopefully when they get him back, he can keep, you know, keep performing well and, uh, you know, get the team back to where they need to be if they're going to make a, a deep run into the playoffs. And one team that really needs to rely on certain players for offense is going to get one of their uh, key offensive weapons back. Taylor Hall expected to return to the Devils lineup during their upcoming three-day road tri- three-game road trip. This is a team that's really thin up front. They're averaging two and a half goals a game. So getting him back will help. Mike Camilleri's had a bit of a spurt recently. He's now up to 14 points in 15 games. Beyond that, though, the pickings are really slim offensively. We can also highlight John Moore with 10 points, including four goals from the defense position. But other than that, not a whole lot to talk about the Devils, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I am impressed, though. They, they have been... Uh, starting to get some scoring even without Hall they've got 14 goals in in their last five games so maybe they're starting to figure it out Um, but Taylor Hall definitely will be a huge boost 
uh, once they get him back in. Um, but yeah, it's it, the lack of lack of scoring, you know, beyond kind of those top top six or even top three guys uh, definitely leads, you know, leads to some unease heading into the rest of the season. And then uh, I'm going to upset some friends of mine who are Islanders fans. They got they got really nothing going for them here. Uh, 2.4 goals per game so far this year. No one with more than five goals prior to last night when Tavares, I think, got his sixth. I say they got to blow this thing up, and they might even consider trading one John Tavares to fix things. That's a pretty risky move, I think, when you talk about your signature player. But this this guy's one year away from free agency. He's got to look around and say there's not a whole hell of a lot going on around here and before he makes that decision they might be taking the presumptive leap to to see what they can get for his services yeah i i'm gonna disagree with you here paul i think the the team is struggling you're, you're there's no doubt of that they're three four and four um but those those four uh losses two in overtime two in the shootout now those are close games that if they can turn those around suddenly you're looking at you know seven and four over the over the the month so I think they are close. I, I think it's just too soon to, to scrap, you know, what they have going and to, you know, get rid of a, a player like Tavares. I, I, I think it's too soon. If things keep tanking into December, then maybe you start to look at it. But uh, for now, I'd hold on, uh, hold off on that. Well, I, I'm gonna, I just wanted to start a fire somewhere, so that's why I thought I'd bring that up. You've got to be a little bit worried about in the division that you keep a closer eye on with the Rangers. This team is hit on all cylinders, AJ. Their offense is firing, one of the best in the league, and they're a full uh, game above what they, uh, with their scoring that they get up on defense. So there's a, a margin of 29 goals on the plus side for them overall. They've got 85. They've given up 56. That speaks to me of a team that's doing it all, and they're doing it all very well. The big players up front are delivering. The guy in net, King Hendrick, is doing what he usually does. Are there any cracks here that you think can be exposed, or who do you want to single out here? I think Jimmy Vesey's cooled off quite a bit. Uh, there's not a lot of talk about him now. He's sunk to a third and fourth line role. Maybe needs to uh, get reprimanded for, for being a one-dimensional player a little bit that I've seen in the early going. But beyond that, they, they, uh, they can't have too much to complain about right now. No, yeah, they definitely look like the one team right now that uh, could challenge Montreal for, for the President's Trophy. Um, the one thing I'll point out is King Henrik does appear to have a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a, a lull or, or a gap or something. For whatever reason, the Pens seem to have his number. Uh, when they did a home and away series, it was Antti Ranta who got the win, and then the Pens went on to shell Lundqvist, I mean, pretty handily. Um, so I don't know if it's it's something mentally there that he uh, a hump or a wall he needs to get through there. But that leaves me with some confidence because I would be surprised if they would make the what seems like a necessary switch to go with Ranta whenever they play Pittsburgh. Well, and in terms of surprises, uh, aren't you shocked at what's happening in Ottawa? This team has never been noted for defense, but their team goals against is remarkably low, right around the two goals per game mark. Nobody could have seen this coming in any prognostic preseason prognostication. But still, the troubling thing is, I thought this team was going to score some goals. So far this year, their their scoring is less than their goals against. So uh, I'm surprised at all sides of the game what's going on uh, there. And you have to certainly say Craig Anderson's performed heroically, given the personal uh, issues that he and his family are dealing with with his wife's cancer uh, prognosis. But uh, the rest of the team... Uh, they're playing surrounding him they're they're playing a really strong defensive game and uh of course offensively they're still carried by the likes of carlson from the defense position and kyle tourist but uh, to me it's the defensive side of the puck that i'm surprised about what's going on here yeah it's never a good sign in, in my opinion for for long-term success when your leading scorer is is a defenseman <laughs> um you, you got to have offensive guys that can score it, it just is what it is you know i i do think those defenders have really rallied around Anderson and they want to win for him. And I think they want to perform for him. And that, that's a powerful motivator that can, you know, make your, your bottom, you know, your bottom pairing or your bottom six guys perform at a level that they've never really been capable of achieving before. So we'll see how long it lasts. 
It's definitely early in the season, but they're rallying around their netminder and doing everything they can to ensure that he keeps uh, keeps winning. And in Philadelphia, do you think they might have found another goalie to rally around? They've struggled with Neuwirth and Mason in the net, so they gave a, one Anthony Stolarz a look, and this kid has an interesting backstory, AJ. Born in New Jersey, the first New Jersey-born goalie in the history of the NHL, as I understand it. Six foot six, another one of these big body players who looks like, uh, it looks like more and more of them are finding their way into the NHL. This guy might be uh, in line for a nice run in Philadelphia if he continue, continues to do what he did in his, his debut. He got the victory, and I'm certain they're going to give him another couple of starts, don't you think? I think they have to. This is, you know, a, a, as I mentioned, a, a pet peeve of mine last uh, last week. I, I think it's time ship out Mason or Newverth, whatever you can get for him, and let the other guy be the backup and hand the reins over to Stolarts. He's young, he's untested, but there's only one way to test him and see what he's got. And so far, he's performed well. It's just one game. It, it is early, but you know, I think they need to see what they have there long term. So get what you can out of either Mason or Newverth, whichever somebody will give you something for and turn the reins over, in my opinion. All right. The next team up is the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm going to just say one thing. Marc-Andre Fleury not delivering the goods. Take it away. Yeah, it's hard for me to agree, but it's it's what it's what's happening there. And, you know, it might be a little bit of nostalgia on my part. I, I do think it's too soon to talk about trading him away. Um, I just I'm concerned about the the amount of games that that Murray has played. But again, I'm I have to what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. If I'm going to call on on uh, the Flyers to turn it over to Stolarts, it may be time for the Pens to turn it over full time to Murray. Um, it's hard to say, you know, uh, the flower has been huge for us for, for over a decade. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's rough to watch, honestly. Um, but you know, hopefully he can get it back, turn it around and maybe we can ride out the two goalie tandem throughout the season. Yeah, they got to see what mileage they can get and rehabilitate his trade value at the very least. In San Jose, a week or so ago, uh, Brett Burns signed a huge contract extension. This guy is a true fantasy stud, 20 points in 22 games. He's one guy that I kept in my in the Rotowire THL uh, league that's been going on for a long, long time. A centerpiece to my club, a centerpiece to this club. There's no no way to understate the value that this guy has to this team but I want to also mention Thomas Hurdle a guy that I was high on at the beginning of the season he's on the IR with a knee injury too so there's there's some good news there's some bad news there unfortunately with San Jose yeah I definitely uh was sad to hear about Hurdle getting hurt I I do think he's a a quality talent a a great player a little concerned he is on a nine game uh goalless streak uh, has four assists over that time so still finding ways to contribute um, they definitely need to get him back, though. I think the players that they bring in, as far as depth goes, behind him, aren't going to be able to produce at the same level. Even even if you know he's not scoring, he's still doing the other things. And I don't see them getting that kind of uh, production out of Chris Tierney or Ryan Carpenter. Well, and a uh, team up next. Uh, the, I want to highlight David Perron of the St. Louis Blues. I watched a couple of their games while I was just sunning myself down down south. This guy is on some kind of torrid streak. Ten points in his last seven games on fire offensively this is a very deep team offensively so one of their when one of their guys steps up beyond the others it's worth mentioning him they just got so much in terms of options there and he's right now at the top of the list and then kevin shattenkirk this is a guy whose name was in trade talks in the early part of the season as a top scoring defenseman he's got 14 points in 22 games and looking for all the world like a very good player that that should be somebody that blues would keep you would think maybe there's a contract issue that the uh, within their salary cap that they're concerned about is the only thing I can see. And then one other note there is Alex Steen. This guy, you've highlighted uh, Stahl as a guy who seems to get banged up a lot. Steen is uh, on the shelf again. So there's there's some good, some bad, and some indifferent in St. Louis right now. Yeah, I think the interesting question will be what they do with Steen once he does get healthy. I mean, at this point, you can't, I wouldn't even consider taking Piranha off that top line with Stastny and Schwartz. You know, maybe you put Steen in, uh, move him over to the left side, put him in for Fabry, who's kind of having a down year, struggling a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, Kevin Shattenkirk, I I think the big question comes what they do defensively when Joel Edmondson uh, comes back off of IR, how they handle that, that that could, you know, put Shattenkirk up on the trade block. And I'm the question is, I don't know what they need or want for him. You know, maybe some draft picks, maybe some development guys, but 
they definitely don't need a top six forward. Um, I don't think they need goaltending right now. Allen's been certainly capable thus far this season. So uh, if they do trade him, I guess my biggest question is what would they even want for him? And is somebody going to be willing to offer it? Well, we're going to have some fun when the trade deadline approaches in the second half of the season with those kinds of storylines for sure. But there's an interesting one developing in Tampa. The last time Steven Stamkos was out for an extended period of time, Tyler Johnson exploded offensively. And now Nikita Kucherov seems to be the guy that's blowing up with 26 points in 22 games, far and away their top scorer. He's got 11 points more than any other forward not named Steven Stamkos. Kind of a uh, McDavid-esque season developing for him and a plus 12 to go along with this this guy has emerged as a maybe one of the next round of superstars around the nhl wouldn't you agree yeah absolutely and i i have to highlight too what he's doing on the power play you know he's averaging over three minutes of of ice time with the man advantage has two goals five assists so definitely a great play uh, in especially daily contests but season long as well definitely has uh, taken hold of, of the opportunity given to him by the Stamkos injury. All right. And we're going we're gonna to continue with this and go down to the Maple Leaf situation. There was a lot of concern outside of Toronto uh, when uh, Frederick Anderson got off to a bit of a rough start. But I pointed out that this, uh, this guy needed the benefit of an extended training camp given the fact that he got hurt. And I think I tied it up here now in terms of uh, points for me and you on today's show with my belief that this guy was going to get his game together. He certainly has, and the Leafs are hanging around 500 mostly because of the fact that he's held them in games where the defense has been really suspect. Although I will say that Jake Gardner, who has been in my doghouse forever, seems to be maturing and and costing them less in the defensive zone than he has in the past. So some things are coming together in Toronto, and it's a really neat story that's being written, I think. Yeah, this one's all you, Paul. I was down on Frederick Anderson to start the year. Um, And in my opinion, he probably should be on a five-game win streak. Uh, The two games that they lost, he only allowed two goals in each of those outings. Couldn't get any offensive support in in those outings. Um, And unfortunately, both Mike G and I were pretty high uh, building our lineups last week. And we both stacked on on some Maple Leafs, and they let us down in that one big time. Um, But... You know, the the goaltending, neither one of us picked him, and that's where they've been excelling uh, so far, at least in the last couple of games. Yeah, in the last six games, he's been two goals against average, and that's going to keep every team in in all their hockey games. In Vancouver, really not a lot of positive. Now they've lost their power play quarterback for a bit. Looks like an extended period. Alex Edler is out, and uh, there's news off the ice with... uh, Bo Horvat's contract talks. This guy's going to command $5 million plus. They've got to make room for him, and they've got too many guys that are playing out the string at the high end of the salary cap there. This is a mess in Vancouver. Oh, it's a disaster. I mean, the, the guys that they did have going into the season are hurt, and you know the, the goaltending situation isn't great. Uh, Miller hasn't performed well. It, it might be a Markstrom time over there, even though you know he's struggled too. Neither one is... And they look like Dallas, to be honest with you, when it comes to goaltending. Um, you know, the one bright spot I've seen is is Troy Stretcher has really kind of stepped up. Um, but when you're on kind of a leaky team like that, no matter how good you are defensively, you're going to end up with, with a minus rating, which he is. He's a minus five. Um, so in terms of, of fantasy, I'd avoid this team with a 10-foot pole. Well, and, and what about in Washington? I got a good look at them, and they played the Leafs. They didn't look very good in that contest, but I started looking through their team stats, and Philip Grubar, he's played five games. He's got a better goals against than Braden Holtby. I'm not saying he's a better goalie than Holtby. Don't get me wrong. But this might be another guy who's a candidate for Las Vegas, uh, looking ahead long term. There's nothing much wrong with the, with the caps on the ice, but they have to be a little bit concerned that they might be losing a pretty top prospect in goal for nothing. They could, but I, I think there's just not enough out there on, on Grubauer. I, I actually think they'd be served by playing him as, as little as possible so people don't get any film on him and don't really see what he can do. Because I, I agree, I think if he plays more games, then he might show up on their radar. But for now, I think there's enough other uh, kind of goalies out there. You you know, you look at Flurry possibly being open if they don't trade him or do something there. Um you know, because they're going to want to protect Murray, obviously. So there's there's other goalies, I think, that are more highly touted. But if he gets more games, he could certainly start showing up on that Vegas radar. And finally, the 30th team on our radar is uh, Patrick Liney and the Winnipeg Jets. Liney's 
goalless in his last six games. That's not a really big uh, concern for me yet. When a, but when a sniper isn't doing the sniping, he better be finding other ways to contribute. And, and right now, I can't say that he is. He's minus four in the last six games. And uh, you wonder if, if this guy is the one-dimensional player that I think he is, or is he's going to find a way to round himself out and be a complete player uh, like they hope that he can be. Uh, so that's one thing I want to point out. And certainly in goal, we've uh, touched on a lot of goalies, but Connor Hellybuck seems to have won the, the nod as the number one guy in Winnipeg going forward. I want you to address both points for me. Yeah, I, I think Line needs some time to become that all-around player. I don't. I agree. I don't think he's there yet. He's definitely a, a sniper and a goal scorer. Uh, I think part of the issue he's having is that all the pressure is suddenly on him, given the number of injuries. Um, but if they can get you know Peralt, Little, and Patan back, uh, hopefully sometime soon, they you know suddenly some of that pressure is off. I think he can perform better. Um, but I do think he is a year or two away from being an all-around player. Um, so for now, they need to get into a situation where all they're asking him to do is score and then work on developing the rest of his game, you know, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned Connor Hellybuck. I think he's just one or two steps away, really needs to turn the corner if he's going to be a great goaltender. He's, in my opinion, he's solid, but he is still young. He's got time to mature and develop his game even more. He needs to turn the corner if he wants to be great if he wants to be okay decent he's already there he's set but it, you know there's just a, a little bit more he needs to do to kind of uh you know be up there among the elite in my opinion well we've got uh, the hockey talk going today but we we want to talk about the fact that we got a pretty elite situation going on in our, our fantasy uh, game uh, with FanDuel. You and I are doing both very well in the staff league. We'll get to that in a sec, but we want to remind our listeners that fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel, where fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests which start every week, and there's no busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience where you get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in large tournaments for even more excitement. Play for even a dollar. where There's choices for every budget here, AJ. Uh, I, I got edged out of the money in our staff free roll last week. Uh, we have some 56 guys that go to head-to-head guys and girls to go to head-to-head in, in the staff free roll. And I just missed the money, but you cashed. Let's talk about why this happened the way it did. For my part, Drew Brees had a big week with 32.5 points to pace my club. But after that, it was a big drop-off. I was certainly counting on guys like Blunt and Gordon and the running back position who perf- underperformed badly. And uh, this, this uh, was at odds with what they've been doing so consistently all year long. So I lament the fact that I didn't make the money. But tell me why you did. Yeah, I, I didn't have any any real high performers like Drew Brees there, um, but I did come in ninth uh, using. Uh, I didn't have any lows really either. You know, Marcus Mariota got me 21 points. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. 24. Uh, Anunua with the Jets got me 19. So kind of just an even keel lineup. Uh, kind of my one big disappointment was Amari Cooper uh, just got me four points. So just enough to stay, you know, even. No highs, no lows, and and it saw me. Uh, cash out this week nicely done my friend we want we uh, highlight players that we expect to do well in our daily dfs pods i'm involved in three of them from monday to friday and we tweet them out uh, all week long so keep an eye out for that we invite people also to play in the rotowire championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship have all the fantasy football has to offer with FanDuel, you are sports rich. Special offer for new users. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks, friends. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, it's that time, AJ, where we build out our rosters. Uh, give me your two centers and tell me why. All right, I'm going to start it off with... Uh uh, Sheafley uh, with Winnipeg for 7,700. Spending out for him, but I, I like the matchup against the Devils. Uh, we kind of highlighted they've been um, a little leaky on the back end. Uh, and then I'm going to go cheaper on my second option. Again, more of a pairing situation with David Krejci for 5,700. Boston is going up against uh, the Flyers. 
Might consider switching that out if they're going to give another start to Stolarts, but if Mason's in goal, I'm all over it. Well, and those are two fine picks, but well defended. I'm going to counter with Nate McKinnon uh, from Colorado. Uh, This guy's been an offensive dynamo uh, of late, and so I'll take that hot stick, and I'll pair him with Cam Atkinson, who is also a guy that's been on fire with the improving Columbus Blue Jackets. They get a tough matchup, but I like the fact that this guy's got three goals and three assists in his last five games, and I'll bet on that hot stick for the paltry sum of 6800 bucks. So we'll see how that... Oh, I, you know what? I gave you a winger instead of a center. I should have said Leon Dreisaitl. I highlighted him. He's got the great matchup against the Leafs tonight. So let me plug in Dreisaitl as my second guy for 5600 bucks. He's carrying that hot stick. And I gave away one of my wingers. Who are the four wingers that you're going to choose? All right. So I'm going to start off with Jordan Eberle. Uh, we talked about Edmonton. Uh, they're going up against your Leafs. I, I think there's some opportunities to score there. He's 6,600. Uh, and then I'm I'm going to uh, to Line. Uh, I think the drought ends tonight. 6,500 against kind of stacking against the Devils there. Uh, and then I'll follow that up. I'm going to go the other side of that uh, Toronto Edmonton matchup. I'm going to go with Nylander. Uh, should be back in the lineup, healthy to go. Only 5,100. Uh, and then I needed an inexpensive guy to use uh, somewhere. I'm hoping Jimmy Vesey can do something for me against Carolina tonight, 4,700. So pretty cheap, pretty low on, on the list there. Um, but I wanted to spend in other places, and I, I think he can do an, just enough for me. Uh, Paul, you, you gave us the one. Who else you got on the wings? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add Alexander Radulov. I love the way this guy's been playing. He's made all the highlight reels with some great offensive work and i think he continues it tonight in anaheim sixty three hundred dollars value matt zuccarello a guy who will play powerfully minutes for the dynamic new york ranger offense uh, against a struggling carolina team that that uh, is kind of in rough shape losing uh, stall will be a blow to them i think the rangers go all over them tonight and zuccarello is a big part of it and then i highlighted mike camilleri who's on a bit of a scoring uh, splurge right now as my cheap guy for fifty four hundred dollars against winnipeg that team uh, is reeling of late and i think the devils care carry on with uh, the devil's grinding style of play and take advantage and camilleri will be a guy that they feature on their power play as well your blue liners man all right, I'm going to go. Uh, both picks here are, are power play quarterbacks, uh, guys that hopefully will contribute. I'm going to go with Gostas Bear for 5,800 and Rista for 5,000. I, I think they both have good matchups uh, and can hopefully do something on the power play. Uh, my lineup will be kind of sunk if they don't, so I'm really kind of banking on some added power play points out of those two. Uh, how do you uh, look defensively? Well, again, I tend to spend, uh, don't pay up for defensemen. I think that, I'll, I don't want to say I punt the category, but it seems like you and I can always find power play uh, quarterback values here. And I do with Mike Green in Detroit for $4,900 and Matt Dumba, a guy who I'm really high on for $4,500. He gets a great matchup as far as I'm concerned against Vancouver, a team that I think is destined for the high end of the lottery at the end of the year. And uh, I don't hesitate to plug in Dumba against them for 4500 bucks. I think that's one of the screaming good values on today's board in goal who are the guys that are going to defend it for you uh i'm going to go with Hellybuck. we kind of just talked about him needing to make that next step i think he's got a, a good matchup here as i said i've been pairing on on the jets all night uh 7800 so a little bit cheaper again uh one thing i always point out here that starting goalie grid on rotowire.com i think is a great place to go uh to get you know, make sure that he's going to play. If he's not, I got to do something else. Uh, so I definitely want to be checking there all day. Um, and then, yeah, just hopefully he's in and my lineup's good to go. Uh, yeah. What did you do in net, Paul? I spent a little bit more money to get Cam Talbot in there for me. He's playing against the Maple Leafs. This guy's allowed two goals or less in four of his last five starts. So that he's defending while uh, Connor McDavid and company are scoring. The Leafs, for their part, have only one road victory this season. I'm expecting that trend to continue, sadly. In this matchup, I think McDavid's going to be fired up for the fact that he was outplayed by one Nazem Kadri in the first time these guys played in Toronto. Uh, people will remember that Kadri outdueled him and, and scored a uh, really nifty overtime goal that victimized McDavid, one of the few times he's been on the wrong side of the highlight reel. So he'll be fired up. The local boy, I think, is going to get revenge tonight, and, and I think Talbot's the guy that's going to pay uh, get rewarded at the window for, uh, for the goalie win. 
Uh, stud of the week time, my friend. Uh, and I'm going to talk about another goalie in Los Angeles, Peter Budai. This guy has written quite a name for himself. Pinch hitting for Jonathan Quick. Look at some of the numbers he's produced. His goals against average hanging right around the 2.04 mark. Uh, 92% save percentage on the year. 12 wins and 6 losses. Boy, I didn't expect this from him. Did you? No, I did not, Paul. When, when Quick went down, I thought it was time to wrap up. Call it a season for the Kings. Move on to next year. Um, but Budai has taken the starter role with, you know, very few hiccups. The 34-year-old is going to be a free agent at the end of the season and, and might be doing just enough uh, to earn himself one more look as a number one. Uh, that's assuming he doesn't get shipped out at the trade deadline. You know, once they get quick back, they, they might consider Budai expendable, especially if they're going to lose him in the offseason anyway and can can get some pieces from him. So love what he's doing. Great pick for the start of the week. You know what? This is an interesting thing. I want to send a minute to talk about the goalie depth in the NHL. It seems like, you know, there's 30 teams you think some teams would be uh, hard done by in terms of finding a quality guy, but it seems like not only are we seeing a lot of good starters, but some really good depth uh, options, some backups that are fighting for that number one position. Goaltending has never been deeper across the NHL landscape. Yeah, I certainly agree, and and I do find it interesting. You've got a great point there, Paul. How somehow there's teams that have two goalies, even three, and are trying to figure out what to do, and then there's other teams that have, you know, they might as well put just a you know anybody behind net because the guys that they have aren't doing anything anyway so yeah it's kind of weird how that's that's played out but there's definitely some talent there to be had yeah and i mean it harkens me back to the comment i made about uh, mcdavid comparing him to none other than great 99 it's a way different game there's way way better goaltending and better defensive depth that's not a slag on gretzky at all far and away the best player in the history of the game offensively certainly in my opinion and i don't think anybody would disagree but uh, it's a way different game we won't see anybody score 200 points in a season just because of the defensive structure but one thing i want to point out and that leads me into the rant of the week i think there there's some work that teams need to do in terms of the power play structure i used to think uh, i used to see many offenses that were so dynamic on the power play but now it seems like more and more are really struggling with even getting the puck out of the neutral zone into the offensive zone and the thing that drives me wild is when there's a rush of five players skating up the ice and then they drop the puck back to the trailer of all of them so there's four guys effectively standing around at the blue line waiting for one guy to deke his way in over the line i don't like this at all but i think you disagree i do paul the the thing i like about it is the the speed entering the zone um i think if if done correctly now certainly you don't need four guys standing there twiddling their thumbs at the blue line but i I think if done correctly the guy leading in with the puck can draw the defenders to him and create space for the the trailing guy to enter the zone with speed i prefer the possession entry versus you know the dump and chase method personally um so i i i don't mind it but it does leave you open there you know blue line turnovers nobody wants those uh, it's something that every coach harps on repeatedly. So it does leave you open to that. But I, I don't mind it. It's, it's uh, you know, works for me, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm, I guess I'm old school at the Don Cherry school where, you know, you can dump it into a corner. There's one defenseman going to be waiting in each corner. My thing is dump it in, have, the guy, have one guy racing in and on top of that guy physically, and then a second guy in there to get the puck. You have the odd man advantage. That's one way to exploit it. I just don't like the fact that I've seen too many highlights where people drop the puck back uh, on the power play rush. The guy mishandles the puck. Guess what? The defender has a breakaway if he gets past that one guy. And we've seen a lot of shorthanded goals this year because of that sort of thing. So we'll agree to disagree. And and I think it's a fine way to to end this week's show where we give our our opinions. We contrast once in a while. We agree once in a while. But uh, we try to bring our best, and and we will continue to do that. So uh, we'll wrap it up right there, AJ. For this week's podcast episode, you've been listening to the Statsman, Paul Bruno, and A.J. Scholes. We remind you to send your comments and questions on Twitter to follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow A.J. at A.J. Scholes. I'll spell it out, A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-24. We ask you to look out for our podcast hockey pod every week so you get all the latest news and our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. 
Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.